coming up on This Week in Games, Tim Sweeney tells off half the game industry in epic fashion, Activision Blizzard pulls the plug on GeForce Now, and the most untitled game wins big at the Dice Summit Awards. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and one of the biggest events in the game industry went down this week, along with a large serving of business news. So let's kick it off. This week was the annual DICE Summit in Las Vegas. So DICE stands for Design, Innovate, Communicate, Entertain, which nobody actually knows what it means and doesn't really matter. And this summit is put on annually by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, AIAS for short. Um, They actually have a really good podcast. You guys should go check it out as well. If you look at the big three professional game conventions, expos or summits, um, there's GDC, E3, and DICE. Um, I'm not saying PAX isn't professional or GamesCon isn't massive or important, but these are the big three in my universe, so (laughs) they're going to be the big three for this podcast. E3 is for the public. It's to generate hype and to make distribution deals, which are much less important in the day and age of digital distribution. I mean, traditionally, E3 was a trades expo where you would go, a publisher would show off all their games, and then, you know, retail stores like I don't know, GameStop would show up and try to determine how many copies each store should keep in stock of each game based on, you know, a 10-minute presentation. GDC is for developers, so whether you're an associate, junior, or director and lead, if you're on the dev floor working on a product, um, you're some kind of developer, you're, you're working in some kind of capacity, even in marketing or community management, GDC is for you. GDC is also where publishing deals are signed, so game developers show up, especially indie developers, show their games to publishers and platform holders, try to get publishing deals signed, Um, projects are funded there, lots of deals going on at GDC, but DICE is for executives, you know, DICE is where the industry trends, industry industry trends are shifted and VPs and C-suite talk about coming trends, actually that's just me making up what I think goes down at DICE because I've never actually been to DICE and nobody's asked me to come. But DICE is kind of known as the executive expo, if you will. So DICE went down this last week and some quick highlights. Um, Sean Shopta, VP for Games and Interactive Experiences at Disney, asked developers to come and play with their IP and brands given that Spider-Man was one of the top selling games last year. And Jedi Fallen Order is one of the best-selling games this year. Disney wants more people to make more money for them. And it's kind of offering up the suite. You know, go pitch Disney for any Marvel character, any Star Wars IP, any Disney product. Disney wants more games. And Disney kind of shut down the idea of them owning game studios and just wants to license out kind of their IP to anyone. Next up... Um, in classic fashion, Tim Sweeney delivered the opening keynote and drew so much attention that a tech newsletter I pay for and subscribe to covered his speech. That's how big this was. Um, the Hollywood Reporter and GameIndustry.biz are providing me the highlights. Sweeney took the time to shit talk other developers, something I massively applaud because that's pretty much half of this podcast, where he called us for to abandon customer adversarial model which I assume means gambling mechanics found in free-to-play games 
Sweeney then shit talked about Facebook and Google. Again, amazing. Quote, Facebook and Google have been one of the leaders in this. They provide free services and make you pay for their service and loss of privacy and loss of freedom, end quote. Great job, Sweeney. And here's Sweeney saying what I've been thinking for many years, more jabs at free-to-play crap. Quote, we have to ask ourselves as an industry what we want to be when we grow up. Do we want to be like Las Vegas with slot machines or do we want to be widely respected as creators of products that customers can trust? I think we will see more and more publishers move away from loot boxes, end quote. Finally, Sweeney wrapped up taking jabs at companies uh, pandering to social justice warriors. And another quote, we should get marketing departments out of politics. We live in a world where your political affiliation determines what chicken restaurant you go to. There's no reason to drag divisive topics into gaming, end quote. So... Tim Sweeney is pretty much 180 from someone I frankly don't enjoy reading about to one of my favorite people in the industry. <laughs> he has like a history of like just shit talking at these things. I remember the first GDC I went to, I think it was 2012. I went to some panel. Um, Tim Sweeney was there and like Tim Sweeney out of the blue, someone asked him some question about Infinity Blade, which was an Epic Games mobile game. Out of the blue, Tim Sweeney just goes, I just wanted to make something that Zynga couldn't clone within six months and then got a massive applaud to the audience. Like, that's Tim Sweeney. He kind of just shits talks. It's great. I love it. I want to get a copy of this opening keynote. Um, pure magic. I, I would go to a Tim Sweeney talk every day in my life. So finally, the Dice Awards happen, something I hold kind of slightly lower than the GDC IGF Awards and maybe at the same level or one peg below the game awards, but definitely one of the top three most respected award show. So the Dice Awards give games per categories, which I really don't like. I don't really think games categories exist. So like what is best racing game? What is best family game? What is fighting game of the year? That's, I don't know. That's not really a good reason to give someone an award and then there's other nonsense categories like portable game of the year or online game of the year what game isn't online it's 2020 people but outside of those awards the real awards happen and it was very interesting so game of the year goes to untitled goose game what what that's amazing um i have to get my hands on this little gem i haven't played it and, like, I don't know a single person who's played Untitled Goose Game, and I see it getting praise everywhere, but, wow, Game of the Year, Untitled Goose Game. Um, outstanding achievement in game design, Baba's You. Can't argue with that. Great game design. Game direction goes to Control. Remini's amazing uh, third-person sh side shooter, I guess. Uh, outstanding achievement in animation, Luigi's Mansion 3. That's a weird one. Art direction goes to Control. Nice. Outstanding achievement in character goes to Untitled Goose Game, The Goose. Wow. <laughs> that goose had so much character, it beat out everyone who talks and has personality. Um, original music composition, Control again. Audio design, Death Stranding. Story, Disco Elysium. Again, if you haven't played Disco Elysium and you're a game developer, go out and check it out now. And outstanding technical achievement, Death Stranding can't argue with that i mean the motion capture and the acting the skin on the characters everything top notch in the game so house houses so house houses the developer of the untitled goose game 
House House's Untitled Goose Game took home two awards. Kojima Productions' Death Training took home two awards. But Remedy Entertainment's Control took home a whopping four awards. So great job, House House, Kojima Productions, and Remedy Entertainment. Remedy, I don't know. They're like becoming kind of like a little legendary studio of their own. I think Control was a great game. I just think probably not seeing the massive sales. I have to imagine that... You know, something like The Witcher 3 helped break CD Projekt Red out of, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what people thought of The Witcher 2. I always thought of The Witcher 2 as like, oh, it's one of those, like, very hardcore European RPGs. It broke that out of that mold in The Witcher 3, you know, made put CD Projekt Red on the map. And it made Cyberpunk 2077 the most anticipated game of 2020 solely off that. And I think Remedy Entertainment is like about at that level. Like they need just need their games need to be slightly more mass appeal. Maybe I don't know. They're like missing one thing to go from selling whatever they're selling of Control to selling 40 million copies. But they're there and they're on the cusp of being the next big like big studio we all drool after and wish we worked at all right enough of dice next up activision blizzard pulls their games off of nvidia's cloud gaming service geforce now so not much of a honeymoon period for geforce now a week after launch and activision blizzard says no more not much in form of details geforce now uses the player's game libraries from platforms like steam to enable cloud gaming for those games activision blizzard has not given a statement as to why they requested their games to be taken down from the service all right let's put on our uh, make-believe hat because i don't know we don't actually have real facts so i'm just going to make up some <laughs> activision blizzard Let's see, let me guess. Activision Blizzard is shopping around exclusivity for their library for cloud gaming to Google, Amazon, and Microsoft and don't want proxy proxy metrics and comps based on the usage under GeForce Now to be used against them for leveraging their library's value. That seems plausible. I mean, further down, probably like less likely in the rumor silo, could be the publishers looking to launch their own subscription service and cloud gaming platform. Maybe, but really, if you're not a technology company, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to have the server farms and GPUs just sitting around to compete with, like, a Google, Amazon, or Microsoft? I'd go with my first rumor, but we'll have to see. Let's see what 2020 shines any lights on this. Next up, Sebastian Ashkov. I completely mispronounced that. I'm sorry. Former CFO of Starbreeze is convicted of insider trading. So Swedish, afor- Swedish authorities in a district court ruled that Ashkoff used his knowledge of the financial issues at Starbreeze to dump stock before the restructuring was announced. More details can be found online, but it's a pretty clear-cut case of stock dumping. The CFO dumped stock ahead of an extremely bad news that would plummet the company's equities. Um, Starbreeze is reported to be working on payday three and has said they expect a 2022 or 2023 release. There's a lot could be said about Starbreeze. Their CEO has actually been cleared of all charges, but the CFO goes down for kind of what amounts to looks like 72K USD. Pretty rough. Starbreeze had a pretty rough last few years. And Epic Games names Adam Sussman as president. I just want to cover this because this guy has the most ridiculous LinkedIn of all time. Sussman's LinkedIn shows a long list of executive experience. 
So he was a director at Disney, VP and GM at Take-Two Entertainment, VP of Mobile Publishing at EA, SVP of Publishing at, at a Disney subsidiary, SVP of Global Publishing at Zynga, and most recently Chief Digital Officer at Nike. God damn, like <laughs> this is why this is why Epic doesn't come to me for the president position. This guy's resume just I don't know, slays like 99.99% of all people in the industry. That's ridiculous. All right, let's go through some business news. Sony Sony actually got exposed. So Sony paid $229 million for Insomniac Games during their acquisition of the company back in August of 2019. So thanks to a filing with the SEC, we now know Sony you know, paid right under $230 million for a longtime AAA studio Insomniac Games. And honestly, it's a little low. Like, I would have thought Insomniac was worth way more. Spider-Man sold over 13, maybe over 14 million copies last year. Insomniac owns Ratchet & Clank, Spyro the Dragon, Resistance Fall of Man, and among other IP. Now, we don't know the financial situation at Insomniac. However, here's a comparison. Here's why I think this is so ridiculously low. Okay, let's go over Zynga. And I just picked Zynga because I work there. Let's go over Zynga's last three acquisitions, okay? So Zynga acquired Pete Games' casual card catalog, okay? So Pete Games, they just acquired games like Solitaire and Rummy from Pete Games for $100 million in November of 2017. Merge Dragon developer Graham Games was acquired for $250 million in May of 2018. So that's like... 20 million merge dragons it's worth 20 million more than the talent that sold 13 million copies of spider-man on a triple-a console game just let that sink in and if that's not enough empires and puzzles developer which empires and puzzles is just a blatant western clone of puzzles and dragons empires and puzzles developer small giant games was acquired for 700 million dollars in december 2018 so Small Giant Games, which I think, if I remember when I reported it, was like 30 people at the time, is worth 3x Insomniac Games, someone who's been around since like PlayStation 1, putting out AAA console games. It's really depressing. You know, it's really depressing to think about the raw talent. Insomniac is worth less than Merge Dragons and a third of Empires and Puzzles. But I suppose the recurring revenue on a conglomerate's balance sheet is much, much more valuable than what Insomniac would be, which is kind of like a marquee first-party console studio. You know, Insomniac would put out games, and those games would help Sony differentiate themselves from Xbox and Nintendo and whatever the hell Google and Amazon are doing. But Empires and Puzzles can make a million dollars a day off a very little operating expense, while Insomniac takes like hundreds of millions of dollars to place a bet every time they release a game. Like, some of those... Some of those resistance follow man games, I'm sure cost north of $100 million and probably didn't make it back, you know? So that's the state we live in. It's hard. Like, AAA console is hard to survive in. It's hard to make money. And now you see when they get acquired or, you know, sell outright, not that much to it. <laughs> it's kind of depressing. All right, next up, Jaeger Development. Jaeger Development. Um, developer behind Dreadnought and Spec Ops The Line receives an investment from Tencent 
to stay independent. So the investment amount and terms were not reported. Tencent's investment allows Jaeger development to remain independent and possibly self-publish future titles. Jaeger is known for Spec Ops The Line, which is considered a commercial failure by publisher Take-Two, as well as a space combat game reminiscent of Warhammer 40k Dreadnought. Jaeger is currently working on The Cycle, a self-proclaimed PvEVP quest shooter. So The Cycle is in some form of early access. Tencent must have saw something they liked, saw some numbers they liked, willing to put in the first drop. And like I've said many times before, Tencent puts in these monies and in studios the studios have to open up their books tencent because they're an investor now they watch operations and productions and then they decide to take over the studio at some point or become like the majority investor or somehow own all the voting shares i don't know this is kind of like tencent's mo though next up thq nordic opens nine rock games a new studio in slovakia Slovakia, not a country known for game development, THQ Nordic is hoping to change that with CEO David Durkak, a former lead at Daisy, so Nine Rock Games is working on survival shooter. <laughs> not surprising given the team's background. All right, next up, Bitfry Game Studios, developers behind Ultimate Rival, raises $3.5 million in a Series A from existing investors. Bitfry Studios must be doing something right previous investors in their seed and venture round one up game ventures and bitcraft esport ventures made up their 3.5 million series a and brings bitfry's total investment of 4.3 million both investors are no stranger to this podcast they're there all the time they're these are guys like mainstays in game investing seed angel venture round series a b you know that's kind of their wheelhouse. The money will be used towards development of their next entry in the Ultimate Rival series, Ultimate Rivals of the Court, which the court, I assume, means basketball. The Ultimate Rival series is kind of like a different, you know, sports league. So they have Ultimate Rivals, something about ice, and it's the NHL. Sure. <laughs> All right, last up, Double Loop Games raised $2.5 million in seed round. Very impressive seed round fundraising for newcomers. Double Loop Games CEO Emily Greer said Double Loop aims to create mobile games for a wide variety of people, especially those that do not see themselves as gamers. Leading the round was LVP, who gets a board seat, while 1UP Ventures as the minority investor. So that's it. That's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment. Let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future stories. I'm recording this pretty late at night, so that's why I'm a little, a little tired, a little drowsy, but uh, still wanted to get it out on Sunday for everyone. All right, I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for This Week in Games. Come back next week. We'll do it all over again. Take care.